Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40. If you're searching for inspiring and easy to apply Enneagram and human design content, then you've come to the right place. We're your hosts, Dominique and Carrie, two friends and coaches who are passionate about sharing our knowledge and insights on these two powerful self-awareness systems to help you step outside the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're so grateful to have you here. Let's jump into today's episode. I am super excited for today's episode because if you were with us last week, then you'll know that Carrie and I are giving each other little mini reading sessions with human design and the Enneagram. And today is my opportunity to have Carrie share a little bit more about my Enneagram. I am really excited for this, Carrie. I know you and I have done a typing session on our own and It was incredibly fascinating to hear more about what you have to share and your knowledge. And so today I'm really excited for our listeners to hear a little bit more about what it's like to be typed with the Enneagram. And of course, a little bit more about my own specific type. Yes. So to give a little background, we already did a typing session, which today isn't going to really look like the typing session because I already know Dominique's Enneagram type. So today, like we did last week for my human design reading, I thought it would be interesting for us to go over all the details of one of the areas pertaining to Dominique's Enneagram type, which is type nine. So within the Enneagram system, there are seven pillars of foundational elements to the system, and they sort of build upon each other. So we're going to go over one of the pillars today, which are called the core motivations. And there's different aspects within the core motivations for each type. The rest of the seven pillars are internal and childhood messages, wings, centers of intelligence, arrows, levels of development, and instinctual variants. So that is a lot of information. So maybe in future episodes, we can break down other pillars within the system. But just for this intro mini Enneagram session with Dominique, I thought we would go over some of the basics and sort of talk about how she has seen them played out in her own life, how these elements could help her work through any goals she might have for herself and just knowing this about herself and how it can make her growth journey a little bit more accessible because knowing your Enneagram type shows you this personality structure that allows you to see old patterning that might not be serving you anymore. Yeah, I'm really excited to share more about my personal thoughts to Carrie, because something we've had conversation about is like, okay, so old me used to feel this way or think this way. But because of all of the work I've done just within my personal growth over the years, I definitely think differently now. So that's one fascinating thing that I learned as you have shared more about my Enneagram type. I'm really excited to have more conversation on that too. Yeah, it is interesting because even in typing sessions with past clients, people will say things like, 
well, I would have done it like this in my 20s, but now I would do this or I would think this way or make this decision. And obviously, as humans, our whole purpose of wanting to become better people is going through this growth journey, finding ways to be in better touch with ourselves. So it makes sense that we've all evolved and changed over the years. And so when we are in a typing session, I always say to people, think about what you would have done for most of your life, most of the time, because Mm. who you are right now might just be this point and you won't even stay like this either. So think about the majority of your life. How would you have reacted? How would you have done X, Y, or Z? And that helps sort of give a clearer picture of your core type because it can be really muddy because we have aspects of all nine types within us. And so it can be really difficult to nail down our type because of that, especially for type nines, because type nines are notorious for really relating to a lot of the types. They can see Mm -hmm. themselves in a lot of the types because type nines tend to be very open-minded people. And so they can see how I might have all of these aspects in me, which is true for all of us. So Dominique, let's get started by talking about Like I said, one of the pillars, which are called the core motivations. So within the core motivations, we're going to be touching on your core fear, core desire, plus its distortion, core weakness, core differentiator, and core longing. So the main foundational aspect of the Enneagram, if we threw everything else out that is at the core of the whole framework, are the core fear and the core desire. If people are really struggling to find and figure out their own type, we always boil it back down to these elements. You might relate to tons of other pieces of the system for different types, but if there's a core fear and a core desire of one type that strongly support how you have functioned in the world for most of your life, this is very likely your type. So the core fear for Dominique's type, which is type 9, is a fear of conflict, of being overlooked, of being dismissed or separated, unaccepted. So Dominique, I see you are nodding your head. (laughs) How has this fear played out in your life and do you relate to it? Oh, I relate to that very strongly. And what's interesting is uh, growing up, for me, and considering my past experiences, a safety thing for me was to try to make myself invisible. And that was where my safety was. But at the same time, I desired connection. So I did have that fear of being overlooked, not being needed was a big one as well. And even right now, and I can look at it as the projector energy type in human design, self-worth is a big one that I've had to work through and validating myself instead of looking for external validation because of wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard. And that's something that I've kind of been in and out of throughout my lifetime. Again, as I mentioned, safety mechanism for me was to play small, try to be invisible, but I deeply desired that connection of being seen and heard with those that I trust. It's interesting because you are saying a lot of key words that we also associate with Enneagram type six, like trust, connection, Mm. safety, security. If you can picture the Enneagram symbol, type nine, six, and three are 
all connected by lines and they form the shape of a triangle. And so these three types can have a lot of similarities because of this connection, which creates their growth and stress paths as well. So Mm. it makes sense that you also had a lot of these feelings of type sixness because that is where your type goes in stress, which maybe we can go really deep on in another episode because it is really interesting. Yeah, that fascinates me tremendously. And then I just had this pop in mind. I always tried to avoid conflict. I didn't want to rock the boat. So I always downplayed my needs and wants because if everyone else was happy, then that meant I was happy and that meant I was safe. So I was very much always focused on pleasing others and trying to not stir up any conflict. And in doing that, once you started on a growth journey, did you see the pattern in your past of not only making yourself small, but being a little bit oblivious to your own opinions, your own ideas, your own desires, because you had suppressed those for so long in order to maintain peace or not rock the boat or whatever it may be. Absolutely. I used to get teased a lot by friends and even people that I dated that like, I just didn't have an opinion. They're like, have an opinion on something. And I'm like, yeah, but it all sounds good. I like it all. And it was just part was, yes, I like it all. I can get along with anyone. I'm happy doing anything with people that I enjoy being with. But at the same time, it was more of, well, I didn't want to say something that somebody else wouldn't like. And so that was another reason why I really kept my opinion to myself. I am definitely still very indecisive if I have too many options because I do enjoy a lot of different things. But I very much always held my opinion in. I would let others kind of take over and guide. But that's something I've worked a lot on over the years because it was something where it made me feel that I wasn't seen, but I wasn't being heard. And that was my own fault. It's not even a fault, but that was just because of what I felt I had to do. You just touched on so many of the buzz phrases for type nine, just being able to get along with everyone, being able to be happy no matter what decision was made. Going with the flow is classic Enneagram type nine. This is the core of who they generally are. So conversely from the core fear is one's core desire. So the core fear is what we are subconsciously trying to avoid throughout our lives. The core desire is what we're subconsciously trying to achieve or gain throughout our lives. And so the core desire for type nine is to have inner peace, to have serenity, to be at ease. And Dominique, since you have done a lot of growth work, I think you might be a little bit more in touch with this desire than maybe the average person. But does this resonate with you? It for sure does. And it's interesting because I was so disconnected from my body for most of my life. I couldn't really describe or explain the emotions that I was experiencing. I had such a hard time putting a name to a specific emotion. And then when I was struggling with anxiety, that was another key component to where I was like, you know what, I need to figure out how to get into my body, how to get back into my body, because I knew anxiety was not for me due to chemical imbalance 
in, in the brain. For the majority of us, anxiety is a symptom of a dysregulated nervous system. And so for me, body work was key to being able to feel at ease, to feel peace within my body, because I was always on alert waiting for the next shoe to drop because I was in constant survival mode growing up. And if I wasn't dissociated, then I was always hypervigilant. So body work has been a crucial part to my healing journey and my growth. And that's why I can now find that inner peace more easily. And I've been able to slow down and create a more regulated nervous system. That is amazing, everything you just said, because it resonates so deeply for how type nines can achieve this sense of self and this growth is through body connection, because you hit the nail on the head when you said you were completely disconnected from your body, from how you were feeling, from your emotions. This is classic type nine when the person is functioning in the average to unhealthy range, they can literally not know what emotions they are feeling. They are mm. numb. They have numbed themselves yeah. to emotions. And so they are not in touch with that mm -hmm. part of themselves. And it's because of this body disconnection. Yeah. And by the way, to you guys listening, Carrie and I didn't set this up or anything. We didn't rehearse. This is me just sharing honest in the moment. And like, I just want to bring that up because I'm really just super thrilled with this conversation right now, how validating it feels and can make someone feel. There's nothing wrong with us. This is just how you have had to survive throughout your life, that protection mechanism. And when I think through the human design lens and all of the openness that I have in my body, that leads me to feel more disconnected because it can be uncomfortable when you have openness, then you are pulling energy in from outside of you and you're amplifying it. So I also have that emotional solar plexus that is open. Someone with the emotional solar plexus can be a people pleaser at times because they can feel so overwhelmed with emotions. And that is so overwhelming that they're going to try to keep the peace however they can. And they can often sometimes appear to be overly emotional. So it can kind of go to either end. For me, I was always like, I have zero emotions. People were like, do you feel anything? I'm like, I do. I promise. They're like, well, why aren't you excited when something's super exciting? I'm like, but I am. And I would be like super cool and calm about it. And they're like, that's not excitement. But that's, yeah, that's this kind of how I've been. a great conversation because like human design reminds us, and when we layer the Enneagram framework on top of it as well, excitement looks different from person to person yeah. to person, the way we display things, the way we process things, the way we feel things. I had never made this connection until you just said this right now about all of your open centers on your human design chart and how that in and of itself could also lead one to have this disconnection from body, which is so typical in type nine. So it's like, yeah. how cool would it be to like start collecting data and research on 
people's human design charts and their Enneagram types and to see if there are these patterns that your right. chart could inform the Enneagram type you are, which usually, in my opinion, mm -hmm. is your personality or ego structure that has developed through conditioning in order to protect your true essence, which happens to all of us throughout childhood and formative years. And then we have this personality around us that we have to learn to break through mm -hmm. negative patterning to figure out who we truly are underneath all of that. Yeah. And the fascinating thing, open centers, that's one area where we can hold conditioning because it's not our energy. It is the energy of others around us, the energy of the transits. That's where through our family upbringing, through generational traumas, this is all collection that we inherit through our human design as well. So the open centers is one of those areas where we can very much act as someone else but we're then identifying as it because we're pulling these energies in. So I brought up the emotional solar plexus. For someone who has an open emotional solar plexus, when you're by yourself, you typically have this calmness, this just like peacefulness about you. And that's your level right there. But when you get into other people's energies and you're pulling that in, can easily identify with it and start feeling emotions that are coming up out of nowhere. And then you're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Whereas it's like, no, you're tasting somebody else's emotions. And I greatly sense other people's emotions now that I've become aware of that openness. And now I can say to myself, okay, I can sit with it for a moment, but then I can release it. This isn't mine. And so that was like a huge help when I learned about my design, being able to release what isn't mine. That is so interesting. I know this isn't a session about me, but <laughs> I have a defined emotional solar plexus. When I sit alone, I can be very peaceful as well. But when I'm alone is when I can be incredibly emotional as well. I can just generate through a feeling or I can't yeah. even explain it something that just comes over me and I can just start like sobbing and then it's this release and I feel great. But it's yep. usually that happens when I'm alone. And I love that you just mentioned that it's a release and you feel great because that's exactly how your emotional wave acts. You get this emotional energy come over you. But once you sit with it, you allow it to be. And that is the key for anyone who has defined emotional solar plexus, not judging it. You don't have to have a reason to feel a certain way. That is just your energy's way of sensing, feeling life, creativity. And it's about writing it. And for you, Carrie, having a good cry is a way where you can release that and then reset. And there's nothing wrong with that. Those are your creative emotions, your creative energy. And I don't necessarily have that within me. And I never really have sensed that before, too, where I wake up in the morning. I'm like, OK, yep, great. But then as the day goes on and I interact with people, especially in physical therapy, where there's a lot of people hurting, I have to be careful with it because I feel their hurt deeply. That's so interesting. I love that tangent we went on. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to bring us back because an element of the core desire 
that can also be a factor is what is called the distortion. So what can happen is if you're trying to gain or achieve this core desire, it can turn into something negative. I hate using that word, but I can't think of another way to put it. So for type nines, this desire to be at peace if they're sort of grasping onto it too hard, can deteriorate into what is termed stubborn neglectfulness. So type nines, if they are so checked out because they want to have a sense of inner peace, they want to be comfortable, can start to neglect their responsibilities or their friendships or relationships or things like that because they just are trying to maintain a sense of comfort within that outside forces are impeding upon. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about that and I can definitely see how that has played out in my life before, especially I like to just call it the cocoon phase when I was first starting my healing process. And I've gone through a few different phases. I am happy to say I am currently in a phase right now where I definitely tend to withdraw. It has come up in conversation with friends that sometimes I check out and I'll get kind of like, hey, where have you been? And for me, I just feel more overwhelmed if I try to force myself to reach out when I'm not feeling it. I've mentioned that to friends, like it's nothing personal. I'm just in a place right now where I can't be thinking about more responsibilities because of the overwhelm that comes with it. I obviously still love them. I still think of them. But if they don't hear from me, don't take it personally. But yeah, I can definitely withdraw very easily when I feel like I need to focus on creating more of that ease and peacefulness within me. That's interesting that you use the word withdrawal because, again, another aspect of the Enneagram framework are these different triadic groupings. And one of the triadic groupings that type nine is in is called the withdrawn stance. So it's super common for people who are Enneagram type nines to withdraw when they are feeling overwhelmed, stress, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. This is a common response. So... You're hitting all the buzzwords. Good job. Oh, nice. Yay, me. <laughs> so every Enneagram type has what's called a core weakness. Sometimes this can be called the vice or the passion, but just different terms for the same thing. And for nine, the core weakness, if we're using the traditional old school terms, is sloth. So like one of the seven <laughs> deadly sins. But my Enneagram teacher used the word sleepwalking, which I think sort of encapsulates the idea a little better because it's not that type nines are lazy. It's that they numb themselves to a point where they're actually sort of quote unquote sleepwalking through their life. They're not allowing mm -hmm. the full range of emotions, the full range of human experiences to occur to them because they're trying to maintain their peace and comfort. Yeah, I can definitely see that as well, where I can be like, okay, my focus is going to be on just happiness the <laughs> next couple of days. And I look at it through uh, nervous system lens and polyvagal theory teaches you to look for glimmers in your life. So just like these little bits of happiness that makes you pause. So you're not just on autopilot all day long. 
because I can definitely get into that autopilot or sleepwalking mode if I am just focusing on strictly where are those glimmers? Like, don't bother me with anything else. Let me just find all the happy stuff. And because I need that, I need more of it. Especially for me, I've found so much comfort in getting back into my body that I want more of that. I'm very focused when I am wanting something I'm going to do whatever the hell I need to do to get it. I am very driven and determined to feel the way I want to feel. Again, if I want something, I'm going to full on focus and get at it. I feel like this episode could go in so many directions from what you're saying, but we wanted to just stick with this foundational piece of the Enneagram so as not to be too overwhelming. So I am not going to talk more (laughs) deeply about what you just said, but... I could. So this idea of being tuned out of their own feelings, opinions, responsibilities, and life is very common for type nines who are in the less healthy range. I would say Dominique is in a very healthy space in her life. So some of these ideas might not resonate with her as much now because she has become aware of these patterns Mm -hmm. in herself, which is the whole point of learning about this framework and moving past these patterns. So a piece that goes along with the core weakness is called the core differentiator. So this is something that each Enneagram type has a piece that will set them apart that sort of makes them unique from the others. And this might be the piece that other Enneagram types can't relate to as easily because it is so differentiating and typical for type nines. And so that piece for type nines is that type nines have what is called an inner sanctum. So if type nines are feeling any level of overwhelm or stress, even if it's just regular levels of stress, they can escape within they can sort of tune it all out and sometimes to an unhealthy degree. This is when people might not be on top of their responsibilities because they are tuning it out in order to maintain this sense of inner peace and they've escaped into this inner reality. And some people do it with the aid of external sources. So like video games or excessive amounts of fictional reading, maybe that type of thing is typical for Enneagram type nines. Have you experienced any level of this in your life? That's neat when you just mentioned reading. So one of the things that I've always loved and I still love is reading fantasy novels, like urban fantasy, the more out there, the better, because I live in reality. I do not want to read about reality. I want to escape. I have a very imaginative mind. I love magic. If Harry Potter (laughs) existed, oh my God, you would find me in Hogwarts still to this day as a student. That is so funny because I'm rereading Harry Potter right now and I just love escaping to this world because it's so magical and beautiful. There's hardships, of course, but I totally, I can relate to that. Oh my gosh. All the fantasy, I want that for sure. But at the same time, and you mentioned this checking out, it's also making me think of the nervous system, polyvagal, and being in that freeze response. And for me, this is where I'm so overwhelmed with 
all of the thoughts, ideas, or things that I have to do that I shut down. And yeah, I will numb myself by watching a ton of Netflix, or I'll just be like, okay, let me just practice some yoga. And I practice yoga, I calm myself down, but then I'm still like, nope, nope, don't want to take on the responsibility. So it, it makes me think of that freeze response that I'm very aware of within my nervous system when I feel overwhelmed. And this is the whole key of all of it is just having the awareness. Like you said, you catch yourself if you're binging Netflix. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me try to get out of this. Let me do yoga. Even if yoga doesn't work, quote unquote, you tried and you had the awareness. If you need to go back to watching Netflix for a little while and try something again, that's yeah. okay too. Yeah. And for me, it was more of like, okay, well, I know that I need to get in my body so I'm out of my mind. Like I'm in this state of freeze because I am too much in my mind. So to move out of it, we have to get into our bodies. And that for me looks like yoga or practicing breath work. And even then, yeah, there's times where I'm like, I feel better, but I'm still not ready to take this on. And like you said, you tried. That's okay. Awareness is the first step for sure. So there's one last piece of the core motivations. And that is what can be called the core longing, the core message. Sometimes it's called the lost childhood message. So as kids, we're getting messages all the time and we're integrating some of them and some of them we don't integrate so well. And usually the message that we have lost, not through anyone's fault is the one we most needed to hear as kids. And this generally is what helps inform our personality structure and what creates our core fear and core desire is a lack of this message. For type nines, this core longing, what they yearned to hear and feel and believe as children is you and your presence matter. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. That Oh, see, like <laughs> I could start crying right now because, yeah, that very much for me was something I deeply desired and needed and wanted, but I didn't allow that for myself because of lacking that sense of safety. And now that is something that I'm more aware of is just being recognized, being appreciated. And I think because I just never allowed myself to have that when I was younger. Wow. Yeah, that sits in my heart for sure. Yeah, usually the core longings hit us deeply because it is like that thing that if we had just known and believed as children, as teenagers, as young adults, mm -hmm. that could have made our paths so much easier, but maybe especially... it's not supposed to be easy for us. Right, right. And right now, like I can think, oh man, yeah, that would have been nice to have heard or allowed myself to hear and be open to, but I would much rather realize that later than never, but it's something that as I've worked on my own inner child work, that's exactly what I am doing. I'm finding that source of discomfort alarm in my body. And I am giving her the attention that she always wanted, but never received, letting her know that she's safe to receive that, that she is loved for who she is. I carried a lot of shame and blame a lot of my life too. And so that was something as I started to work on that inner child part, 
it was a lot of, hey, I see you. I recognize you. And you are perfect just as you are. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. And we're here doing life great right now. That is beautiful. I think everyone, if they heard their type's core longing, would have this sort of deep reaction to it as well. So I love that you shared that and were vulnerable to connect with that inner child because if you've just started on an inner child work journey and you're looking for ways to connect, if you know your Enneagram type, telling your inner child this core message could be the first step to building that connection with your inner child. Yeah. And I can see that this is the first time I'm hearing this from you with the nine in me. And I can absolutely see how this could have been tremendous knowledge when I began my journey. But it's something that already I was aware of and I was using anyway. So it's kind of neat to hear this from you. Like, wow, yes, that was what I needed to say to her, to have her here. I really appreciate all of that insight into what it is to be a nine. I'd love to hear from you all the different angles because like I mentioned in the beginning, the work that I've done, I can reflect back and I'm someone who likes to reflect because this is where I can really pull in my knowledge and continue my growth. So I love to be able to reflect back on some of the things that you brought up and see the growth that I've made now. And it's just that confirmation that's like, yep, I'm still growing. I'm still moving forward. And this journey just gets better and better. Thank you for listening to this episode. Your support is so appreciated. If you'd like to have a question answered about your human design or Enneagram type in a future episode, you can submit it through the link in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you.